Welcome to Better Than Nothing. What you are about to hear is just me being able to speak with some amazing people that come from many walks of life. This episode of Better Than Nothing is brought to you by Concept by Iowa Hearing. Your hearing is our priority. Visit iowahearing.com or call 877-955-4020 for a free hearing screening. That's 877-955-4020. Some people say that they see my life and the way I've lived it as a warning to others. I'm hoping that's just a friendly jab, but this story today is a warning to any farmer who goes into a grain bin with the intent of breaking up crusted grain so it can be passed through an auger into a waiting vehicle. If you are from a farming community or you just read the news, You've heard of grain bin accidents that were fatal. The statistics show in recent times 900 reported grain bin entrapments with a 62% death rate. That means 558 people died. However, the farmer who prompted this story did not die, although he was trapped by his own doing, and he fought to breathe while his son and rescuers got him out alive. Ben Nully reported this story back in 2015, and it went on to be recognized as an example of the kind of work reporters can do to sensitize a community, farmers in this case, about the dangers of their profession. Ben was just out of college at Northwest Missouri State and working at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and we're going to talk to him first before we talk with the farmer who was the center of the story. I had heard about this story from my mother, so she had worked at a flower shop uh, in Higginsville there with uh, her uh, business partner who was from Quarter. And she's like, hey, you got to interview this guy in Quarter who got uh, trapped in this grain bin. Like, this is a crazy story. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, it's very interesting. I said, but you've got to make sure the person actually wants to talk about it. I said, because there's been some traumatic times in my life that I'm like, I don't know that I actually want to say anything about this or, uh, you know, relive a situation like this. And so I, I had reached out to, um, my, uh, mother's business partner and said, Hey, you have a cell phone number. I'd at least want to ask him first if he's okay with doing that and called him up. And he was like, absolutely. And, and, uh, he's still to this day, seven years later, he's still talking about it. All right. I'm Dennis Snyder. I, the sole owner of Snyder Agri Industries, and we uh, do a, a soybean corn farm. And you're uh, here in Quarter, Missouri, correct? Correct. It was about a week ago. You had a little bit of an accident with the grain bin. Uh, just first of all, walk me through um, that day, uh, what you were doing that day. I knew it was a dangerous situation and kind of been there before. We had turned ventilation fans around and stuff so that I was always getting fresh air up there. And I had a plan in place that if I got in trouble to uh, call my son, who was by the switch on the bin, the auger was running, that uh, uh, he would shut it off. And uh, went for a while, and then I did get in trouble and got down in the bottom of the cone and got caught. 
uh, reached for my cell phone, the super plan I had place, and as I got ready to speed dial him, I had a marketing text came through, and I had to clear that text off of my phone before I could speed dial him. Got that done, and he saw a phone call coming through. He shut the switch off. This was a big 10-inch auger, and it was taking about 60 pounds a second out. And so uh, a couple seconds was a long time, and I was buried to the neck by that time. Uh, he was vividly describing the situation. And, I mean, I'm just listening to this today and picturing exactly what's happening. And so I thought that was very interesting to kind of hear him be able to describe it so vividly. Um, but for the most part, yeah, he was very open to to talk about this and uh, you feel like the story needs to be told. Well, my first thought was that, oh, my gosh, this is not going to be a fun way to go. Uh, knew it was dangerous and knew I uh, and wouldn't let anybody else get in this situation. When the auger stopped, then I told my my brain, told my body the only task it had to do was try to breathe. Because every time I took a breath, I had to push quite a bit of pounds of corn up with every breath. And so that was what I was concentrating on so I didn't have to focus on other things or have my life flash before my face or anything. In the case of this story, you didn't really know it at the time, but you followed a trend that has been going on for almost 50 years in farm broadcasting, and that is that this particular award called the Oscar in Agriculture and then moved to being the Doan Award is given not only for the story, but the activity that it prompts within the community. And I'm wondering what you saw after the release of this graphic description of a man struggling to stay alive that that either gave hope to others or caused action by others. Uh, he said he had, he had started speaking at community events, uh, safety meetings, and uh, it just it kind of spiraled off from there in terms of, I'm not just saying this one story caused all of that, but at least it's, it's a stark reminder to folks that, uh, you know, safety is uh, the number one thing when it comes to doing these sorts of operations. The fact that he is responding to us and will talk to me a little later on in this broadcast is good, I hope for him, but it's good for other people to realize that here is basically a man who could have died who's talking to us. Let's take a moment to talk with Taylor Parker, who's the president of Concept by Iowa Hearing. Taylor, I've had your hearing aids for the last 17 years, and certainly they made a positive difference in my life. I'd like to ask you something about the modern day, though, and the research that you have found. Is there a link between an uncorrected hearing loss and dementia? Uh, yes, there is. The research came out about 10 years ago from Johns Hopkins University, uh, Dr. Frank Lynn. He found that you were anywhere from two to five times more likely to develop dementia with an untreated hearing loss. And, you know, everyone says, well, how can that be? And when you think about how hearing works, sound comes into the ear, it hits the eardrum, eardrum vibrates, sends the signal over three little bones. The bones then send the signal to the cochlea that has 15,000 tiny little hairs inside of there. Those little hairs, as they get damaged, will either break off, get brittle, not move as well. The correct signal doesn't get to the brain. And think about it, you know, like, um, you know, radio, TV, any kind of signal 
that signal gets jumbled, you can't piece together what's being said, so you struggle to watch the show. That is your brain with an untreated hearing loss. What happens is your brain pulls from two areas to compensate for that untreated hearing loss. It pulls from cognitive, and it pulls from balance and gait. So cognitive being how we understand, how we converse, that gets actually damaged because it's getting pulled from to focus on an untreated hearing loss. That's where the link to dementia actually comes in. So it's because we're pulling valuable resources to focus on an untreated hearing loss, it speeds up that that aging of the brain. So you're anywhere from, even with a mild hearing loss, you're twice as likely to develop dementia. Taylor, thank you very much. You can schedule your free hearing screening at Concept by Iowa Hearing, 877-955-4020, or online at iowahearing.com. Well, I have Dennis Snyder here on the phone on this 11th day of November. So this is current here in 2022 compared to the situation that happened to him back in 2015. Dennis, um, kind of a day that uh, the weather looks like it's changing from uh, a beautiful fall to maybe the chill of winter. Well, we're uh, definitely got a big dra- uh, drastic change that it's uh, our temperatures dropped about 40 degrees since yesterday. So uh, definitely a change. If you wouldn't mind, could you tell me before your grain bin accident, what was going through your mind or what activities were you doing that day that led up to it? And I ask that because sometimes people looking back actually realize that something may take place or they realize that their mind was one place and their body was another. Take me through that time up to the point that you actually stepped into the bin. Oh, no, I was really aware of the situation and, uh, had a plan in place for, uh, for this, and it was uh, a, a December day, and it was cold out, but uh, I hadn't kept the corn in perfect condition, turned on the fan soon enough, and so I had a slight crust on the corn, so I thought, well, I'll get up there and watch it while it's augering into the truck. I knew this was dangerous. I wouldn't let anybody else do it, but... Uh, I had this super plan in place that I had my son buy the switch for the auger and uh, had my cell phone with me, and if I saw a problem, I would call him. And uh, when I did, and I was getting weaker, and I am quite old, uh, and so I got ready to call him and tell him to shut the auger off. And as I did, I got a marketing text at that point that I had to clear off my cell phone before I could speed dial him. And uh, so when he heard the phone ring, he just shut the switch off. We never talked. And then uh, it was a challenge after that. Well, to put people in the perspective that possibly was in your mind at the time, you went under pretty fast didn't you? About how long from the time you were okay until you were trapped? We had just updated this, the auger out of this bin. It was a 10-inch auger that was pulling 60 pounds a minute out. No, a second, 60 pounds a second out. And so I was dropping, it was pulling a lot of corn and I was dropping with it. When I 
got to the position where I couldn't fight my way out. And uh, so it was dropping fast. And that's uh, uh, my son didn't get it shut off just at the time that the only thing sticking out was my head at the bottom of this cone in the bin. So. Tell us about you, your physical size at the time, height, et cetera, and, and your age. Um, well, let's see, I'm 73 now. So, um, so I was over 65 and, uh, um, I'm, Fairly big guy. Um, I always perceived myself as being fairly good physical shape. And, uh, of course, that's affected by age. But uh, so I thought I was okay. And and actually, uh, six months after that, I was diagnosed with MS. So my legs were not working as they were. I was used to them working. But, uh, uh, you know, I could climb climb around on things and I thought I was in pretty good shape but uh, I did get tired and that's when I called my son and uh, but and as it really turned out that corn wasn't in that bad of shape I didn't need to be there and uh, you know the ironic part about it was I wanted to check the flow in the bin to make sure it didn't choke up the auger so I didn't have to punch a hole in the side of the bin and Oh, by the way, for them to rescue me, they had to get seven holes in the side of the bin. So, well, so much, you know, goes through my head. I, I have to ask you, in this master plan you had, stepping into a bin alone without any harness or anything like that is not recommended. And I know you were going to do it yourself because you didn't want to risk it to anybody else. So you knew it was dangerous, but yet you did not take care of yourself why not well because i thought my plan was good enough that um, my son would shut the auger off right away and this type of thing so there was a flaw and you know i shouldn't have been there to begin with that was the thing you should not get in a bin when the auger is moving that's the point i want to make to everybody uh and no matter how good a physical shape you are things can happen and uh so just don't put yourself in a position and the bigger thing i want to tell your audience is so i farm if i'm not here somebody else is going to farm that the ground is going to be taken care of and everything but it's your family and friends that you got to think about anytime you do anything dangerous that uh, they're the ones that are going to suffer, you know. For me, if I wouldn't have made it, it would have been fairly quick. And I've been gone, and somebody else would have farmed my farm. But the family and friends would have definitely been affected. And so I think people need to keep that in mind. Well, Dennis Snyder is my guest, and he is uh, a man who cheated death, honestly, because the actions that happened very quickly to him being submerged in a grain bin up to his neck uh, and being crushed by the grain um, with him trying to breathe um, worked out in his favor. But 62% of the last 900 reported grain bin entrapments resulted in death. 
Dennis, I put that at 558 people who died in those accidents. And I learned yesterday of one more man who was the owner of a grain company in Ohio who got in a grain bin and was killed. And I'm amazed at how many of you make that decision, realizing or not realizing the consequences are so stacked against you. I'm wondering, as you look back at it now, and I know hindsight is really clear, why did you get in that bin in the first place? Well, again, I thought I had a good plan in place, and uh, but uh, I guess I'm kind of old and stubborn, and uh, you know how independent farmers do it their way or whatever. But we get independent and get out of the the like I said, the community mode, and thinking about everybody else around us, and uh, so yes, and. And you asked me if I wanted to talk about this, but I think it's important to know that I made a big error in judgment, and that happens way too often. And if I can make people aware of it, and I think that's one of the reasons that maybe I survived, is that I talk about this as much as I can to farm groups and other radio stations and uh, 4-H'ers, you know, to make them aware that things like this can happen quickly. And uh, we might not, you know, like I got Ben and I thought I was physically in shape that I could always climb out of this cone and whatever, but uh, I failed. So I want to get that message across to people. You know, I don't know how much good it would do to talk about you being entrapped other than what was going through your head. Um, I'm reminded of a story that I heard from a POW from Vietnam, a guy that gave this speech often, but he talked about his cell where he was and being in there and not knowing if he was going to live to come out of it. And I wonder if there's a parallel here in how you felt for those moments in which others were trying to save your life. Yes. Uh, uh, Someone asked me if my life flashed in front of my eyes and things, and and my mind was concentrating on breathing because I had to push corn up to take every breath. My son was in there with me. After he shut the auger off, he came to see what the problem was, why I called him. And he was in there with me, and he said my breathing was getting slower and slower. I have to compliment the first responders, our volunteer fire department in uh, our county were so tremendous. And first thing they did, well, there was one of the responders that was just a half mile from me when I did this. And he was there quickly, and he radioed so they knew exactly the situation they were getting into but they dropped oxygen to the top of the bin so that made every breath I took more productive and and just did a tremendous, tremendous job and stuff. And, yes, and when I was going down in this thing, I thought to myself, well, this is going to be a terrible way to die. But uh, 
you know, and that after I thought about it later, there's probably not too many good ways to. But uh, that was, uh, it was definitely uh, eye-opening uh, and stuff. And, and again, makes my focus more that I want to tell as many people as I can about my story. Well, to free you from that, uh, they had to cut a number of holes in the bin to keep the grain from shifting as it ran out and and that in itself killing you. Uh, did you have any remorse at the time of realizing they were destroying your grain bin? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I was just thinking about getting out at that point. And uh, uh, like I said, they just did a uh, tremendous job. When I finally slid out of a hole in the bin and got to them, when I one thing I like to say is I realized I was surrounded by a multitude of heavenly hosts and uh, just uh, tremendous support from the community. When I was doing a debriefing with the first responders, I told them about the heavenly beauty I saw. I said I was a little disappointed with the earthly beauty. And one of my neighbors said, you know, I thought my halo was on a little crooked that day. <laughs> so you did have an out-of-body experience, if you will, while you were in there. Uh, yes, I I would say that, uh, that, you know, not as I perceive or the way the movie's projected or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I was uh, wondering how that was going to turn out. Dennis? I can't tell you how happy I am to be able to talk to you. I've I have through my career talked to several people who cheated death. Uh it makes me feel better that you made it. Uh and it makes me more aware of my own situation. So what you did was not in vain. But I wonder about you yourself. After you were free of the bin and everybody had left, um, what at that point did you suffer? I mean, was there a uh, post-traumatic stress that you felt and feel today? I don't think in the sense of uh, what our veterans and bless them on their Veterans Day, but uh, not in that sense. And in fact, when they got me out, they had an ambulance there, and my blood pressure was really low. And I told the uh, fire chief that he ought to check all of his staff that was out there trying to save me. I bet their heart rate was higher than mine because I had stayed stayed calm. And in fact, they asked me how I stayed so calm, and and I. And said that my children and all my help through the years, I always said in every situation, panic is an option, not a requirement. And so I tried to live up to what I had been talking about in years past. And, and it was tough. But, uh, you know, I, I knew I had a lot of good people around me and, and concerned, and they were doing their best. And, and I still had my head out of the corn, so I was aware and could kind of get a feel of what everybody was doing. So, uh, like I said, just a tremendous response from the first responders. 
Could I ask you, you said your son was working there. Is your son farming with you? And what changed in your relationship, if anything, with him after this accident? Well, um, I don't think really much changed in our relationship. I, uh, I, like I said, I had gone to several groups to talk about it, and one of the groups was uh, in our local county, and I asked him to come along with me to, uh, of course, you know, the son always has to correct the mistakes of the father, and I asked him to give his perspective and to correct what I said wrong and things. And he said to me, Dad, I'm not coming. I'm trying to forget it. <laughs> and and he, in fact, said that he was climbing in the bin to hold my hand while I died. That's how he felt. So, uh, and that, <clears throat> you know, and, and that, again, puts a perspective on, you know, I'm just another farmer, but there's a lot of family around me that's really important Continuing on, I'll seize upon that statement you made that you now have been identified with MS. Um, I take it that has debilitated your health somewhat. But what about you now mentally? Do you have nightmares? Do you have moments that you wish would go away that won't? Is this like grieving over your own death that didn't occur, or is it a survivor syndrome that you're living out every day? My perspective on this is I am so blessed by God to have made it through that. The final thought that goes through my mind every night is, thank you, God, for my blessings, and I sleep good. I I don't have a trauma over it, and, uh, you know, again, the perspective is that it was such a blessing that I made it, that that's all I concentrate on. Have you ever gotten in a grain bin since then? Not when the auger is running. And uh, a couple of the other things, and it was poor management on my part that I didn't cool the bin or the temperature change is what caused the bin to sweat and the condition of the corn to deteriorate some. But uh, so now it's a highlight on my computer to turn the fans on in October, even though that Dennis Snyder doesn't perceive that we've had that much temperature change. I want to uh, keep the air flowing through it and keep the grain in condition and take the management objective out of the thing and just say, okay, it's this time of year, let's do it. So that's one of the things I've changed on management side. Well, <laughs> getting back to uh, then my life flashed in front of my eyes, and I, I tell the story that I didn't have my hearing aids in, but I third, thought I heard this big voice say, Snyder, it's not your time yet. You've got a lot of bills to pay. Get out and go to work. So uh, I, I still have a lot of bills that I'm trying to pay, and and I I've been blessed that the MS has not done a lot of damage, but I want to stay active and forced to be active. And I think in my case uh, that it means that I need to be as full-time at farming as I can be. I really have no more questions unless you have any direct comment to other farmers about 
what you hmm. want them to do or or anything else you want to say to bring this to any further level of closure? Well, I just, again, want to thank the first responders. The volunteers were so wonderful. And, and in fact, they were not trained at an uh, entrapment situation. And since that has happened, there are uh, copper dams in most of the fire departments in our county, which there was not any at that time that that happened. And all of the fire departments have been trained. Uh, the University of Missouri has a, a training trailer that they go around and let them experience it and learn how to do it. And I think all of the departments in our county have been trained in that. My goal is to make everybody aware and get all this training in place and the uh, equipment in place. And I communicate enough to people to make let that draw dust in the corner, to keep everybody aware that it can happen and can happen quick. That happened to be uh, December 5th at uh, 9.30 in the morning, and uh, I was in the trapped in the bend for two and a half hours, and uh, but they got me out, I thought, very quickly and did an excellent job, and I'm just so, so blessed. Dennis, thank you. It's uh, a pleasure to talk to you, and it's uh, it's wonderful that God let you live and to redirect your life to trying to help others. So keep farming and keep talking, and uh, may God continue to be with you. Thanks for listening to Better Than Nothing. If you'd like to tell me your thoughts or relate your memories, send it to kenroot at gmail.com. We'll try to put out one of these every week, and you can sign up with your podcast service to be reminded when the next one's available. See you next week for another episode of Better Than Nothing.